Welcome to the Push Performance Podcast. What's up, guys? Welcome to another podcast, episode 24, 24 with uh, JP Sporman of JP3 Baseball. What's good, homie? Good to be back. Yes, sir. Been a while. Been trying to schedule your ass. You've been all over the world. Yeah, I guess. A <laughs> <laughs> um, couple announcements before we get going. Um, pretty cool adjustments in the gym this offseason for you pro guys. We rearranged the whole facility, essentially. Um, the layout's much better. We've purchased a full-length batting cage. We do live at-bats in-house, full-length bullpens, not across the facility, so that's pretty dope. Um, and then JP obviously has his his cage and his setup over there, um, looking at getting some hitting technology, right, Sporty? Yep. yep. So, um, you know, we're, we're working on that for you guys. Uh, if you guys need anything, just reach out to us or any recommendations Please let us know. So yeah, today we got a full full group. Everybody's here, right? Yeah, Prince mm-hmm. Jordan. He's at he's at the school. So um, yeah, JP, t- tell us what's new with you. What's going on with you? Not much. Just kind of gearing up for you know pro off season and stuff. You know the more exciting time of the year. Yes. Not that you know summer and stuff is a little crazy with the heat and everything, but obviously cooling down and then having you know a bunch of familiar faces that we usually have in here and, and, and the atmosphere continuing to grow. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Oh yeah. What's, uh, what's, what's it looking like for you this off season? What's, uh, what are your plans? What are your goals? How are you, what adjustments are you making with guys? Uh, probably, groups? probably just stick to, you know, normal routines. And then obviously it'll be good to get with guys and, and kind of have conversations about where, you know, their process is going throughout the off season, what changes they want to make. Uh, what things they need to work on or take away from their season. And, um, yeah, I'm kind of just looking forward to, you know, having conversations about how the year went and what, you know, mental or mechanical or just baseball-related obstacles that guys had to deal with throughout um, the season. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, something we talked about last week is that mental capacity portion, right? And, I mean, how much of the – what was your tweet about or your post about on that? You remember? Um, I don't know. I feel like I, a lot of my tweets are like talking shit. All the time. <laughs> um, I don't remember. So but, jabs at people. Yeah. <laughs> I think one of the most. I mean, I think it's the biggest separator when it comes to being, you know, in pro ball. Obviously, college and stuff. You have a shortened season. It's only like sixty. You know, I mean, obviously, if you go to a big school, you get the possibility of going to the World Series. It, it's a little longer, but. Um, Dealing with 142 games in minor leagues, 162 games in the big leagues, um, you're going to have your ups and downs. You're going to you're going to ride the wave, and I think being able to mentally check in every day, and you know, I think if guys watch Jeter's you know Hall of Fame induction and stuff, he talks about you know having you know the routine that he lived by for you know 20 years, did the same thing over and over again, um, which is a lot of the, what guys battle throughout you know minor league season and i think that's what separates you know guys that stay in the big leagues to guys that are up and down and, and stuck in the minor leagues and stuff um but yeah what's the biggest I'm mental at? gap between a, say a good minor league guy and a, and a good big league player or or just a big leaguer the the routine um i think in the minor leagues you have so much to prove and, and mentally you're like I have to do something right now to get to the big leagues, you know, but like obviously when you're solidified in the big leagues, it's a lot easier, you know, Love making a ton of money, you have a solidified spot. So it's easy to have the routine. And even when you're failing, 
you're sticking to that routine. You know, in the minor leagues, it's like, fuck, I'm, I'm struggling. Like, I need to change something up in order to, you know, get to the big leagues where you can't do stuff like that, especially in the middle of a season that's so long. You have to be able to hone in on understanding what makes you good, why you're doing it, and really kind of sticking to that. Do you feel like a lot of guys make more mental adjustments in season versus mechanical adjustments? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, if you're making mechanical adjustments during the season, probably shouldn't. I mean, yeah. it's probably not the right avenue to take just because you're facing the best players and the best arms in baseball. Well, I mean, like we've all been there. Like, you yeah. and I, I guess, we're the only hitters in the room. But uh, we've been there in the box, like completely lost. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like no swing thought, like or a thousand swing, thought, yeah. swing thoughts. Mm -hmm. No swing thought means I, you're probably going to rake. I mean, me personally, I was, I was bad with it. Like – I always had a knack for getting the barrel of the ball, but I would always try to make adjustments with my swing and stuff. And I always had, I always rode the wave of like, I was super hot or super cold. And like when you're in pro ball, like that's the one thing you have to get away from. And I think if you can, and if you can find something and, and, and ride out the, you know, the peaks and valleys, like, um, but staying even keel is like, and all of a sudden, like you start to change things up crazy. These guys are so good from a pitching standpoint that it's so like, way more advanced than hitting like you can't make little adjustments like that because they'll just eat you alive 100 yeah what I mean, what's your approach with your guys on the mental adjustments say with our big league guys in season right yeah. let's talk about in season first we're at towards the end of the year now this is probably the hardest time for the guys because there's a lot more pressure with pennant races or you know contract things coming up next year or whatever it may be but what's your approach in season with guys and what's your approach mentally off season with guys um, in season, there's a lot of guys that'll reach out and talk about like mechanics, but I kind of just reinsure and like, I might be annoying with it. Like just hammering that like 162 is a, is a puzzle. And I don't know if I, I touched on this last time I was on, but looking at it as a, as like a puzzle where like when you're hot, ride that shit out. When you're struggling, find ways to put pieces into the puzzle. Like 162 is just one big puzzle. And it's whether you take your walks, you take your your run scored, you you steal base here and there, you you try to fight to get a hit or have quality at bat, control the strike zone. The minute that you get away from that is when all of a sudden it starts to snowball and you have those over thirties, over forties, where sometimes when you do that, like it's hard to come out of that hole. And um, being able to just mentally lock into that, that even when you're not feeling good, find ways to kind of just pick at you know your stat line essentially. Yeah. You know, but um, finding ways to win, help the team win, hit balls the other way when you got guys in scoring position, just, you know, dictating situations and stuff. There's so much that comes into, you know, at the end of the year, like you, you panic when you're struggling. But at the end of the year, if you're if you're honing in on those little things, the bigger picture is going to be there. Yeah. You know, and not falling into that trap of I'm struggling. I need to change everything. You know, Yeah, by the end of the year, usually if you're a career 280 hitter, you're probably going to be around. Right around there, mm -hmm. you know, you're gonna like you said, you're gonna have those highs and lows. Yeah. You know, you know, we've always been showing up to the ballpark. We've all done that. Feel like you're on a completely lo lonely island, lost. You know, and you know what? You know, what's your approach when you're, you are lost? You know, what are you telling guys? Like, right, you just get the barrel of the ball. Is yeah, it, simplify. Yeah, I mean, simplify. I'm trying to be as simple as possible. Yeah. And sometimes, I mean, it's some guys want like you know more because yeah. like simple doesn't seem like enough but the fundamentals just getting back to the basics of like 
what made you successful and kind of just giving cues to look at like when they're going over video and stuff, like how early they're getting up, how simple the moves are. Right. Cause all of a sudden you start to struggle. You start to try to do too much and speed up. Yeah. And the movements get big. You can't hold positions. Yeah, and then all of a sudden up. the pitcher is just wearing you out on the shit that you can't hit. Yeah. Um, and then it just seems like you're just completely lost. Like you said, and, but being able to kind of pull back and, and understand that I need to, or whoever it is needs to just, yeah, like slow everything down and just be simple. What it, what about now with the minor league guy? Same mm -hmm. same kind of thing? Or yeah, yeah. I don't really change it much from a mental standpoint. Like your mentality, whether you're in the big leagues or the minor leagues, shouldn't shouldn't change. Um, I think, um, yeah. I don't know. I, I think that it shouldn't it shouldn't matter what level you're at. That should be where you are. This is the best players in the world, right? Yeah. And, uh -huh. I mean, there might be a little bit more pressure with the minor league guys, yeah. right? It's because like uh, I need to show my work that mm -hmm. I can play at the next level. I can play, yeah. you know, in, in double A. You know, mm -hmm. once I hit double A, maybe I can go become a prospect or yeah. whatever, right? There's a lot more pressure. Like, how am I going to stay around the game yeah. longer? I think it comes from like you're you're in a different atmosphere. Like you've always been a guy. Yeah. You know, no matter where you were at before you got to pro ball, now all of a sudden you're with dudes that that can play. But I don't think that mentality should ever change. Like you should always go out there thinking that you're the best player on the field, you know, like whether you are or not, like looking back at it, like I never had a day where I didn't think I was the best player on the field, even though like I was playing with dudes that are like big time, big leaguers now, yeah. you know, but it's just a mentality that can kind of steer you in the right direction because that's when you have confidence comes um, success, you know, like I've always been a big believer of that. Yeah, I mean, the more more stress and more energy you put into, you know, the work of failure, the less you're taking away, you know, the energy you're taking away from that success, you know. And, like, what do we do now with our, our high school college guys, right? These the amateur players now. Yeah. You know, how are we, like, how are we getting these guys to buy in on the mental side when they when they come to you or come to us and expect to get, get big and then hit bombs, right? And that's far, far from what we're truly trying to do with yeah. us. Yeah, yep. The process, trust in the process, yep. which is the hardest thing because you want results so quick that you have to be able to be willing to buy in, you know. And I think we've done a good job of that. And guys see that the dudes that bought in, mm -hmm. I mean, the results are there. Like it's you can't hide it. No, you know. Yeah, I mean that's buy in at that level for the high school kids. That's the hardest part for us, I think. Right, and just yeah. on the on the mental capacity side, like they just want to work. They think more is better. And, yeah. I think this is something that, you know, we've, we've had a mental coach on the podcast before. I learned a lot. I mean, this is something I wish I, I learned because I was, like what you said, I, I would roll out thinking I was the best player on the field. Now looking back, like, shit, I was not the best player on the field, you know, obviously, right? But it's that confidence thing. But there's also confidence versus, like, a positive mentality, right, where your confidence can do you bad versus do yeah. you good, right? Yeah. And just, I think, controlling – Kind of yeah. in between those two things is is huge, and I mean, your brain's the biggest, the strongest muscle in your body. I mean, we got to work it, yeah. you know. Um, how much vision stuff do you do with guys? I'm interested in that. As you know, do you do a lot of you know, like see, like with the on the metal side? I know you have the uh, you got those goggles. Yeah, the uh, wind reality, yeah, wind reality yeah. stuff. That was big last offseason, yeah. just being able to kind of especially during like COVID too, like guys being able to somewhat look, have live at bats and, and see pitches coming in. Um, I know they're super advanced now when it comes to that stuff. Um, but yeah, being able to see live arms and stuff is the biggest thing. Um, 
from like a cage standpoint, like we're always mixing up, like working on like the outer half, inner half, or like approach based stuff. Um, I would say that's probably the extent of the vision stuff. Yeah. Um, definitely when reality was a big part of that last off season. Yeah, I mean, I read now it's always about the mental side of hitting, obviously then train your vision. Yeah. Right. And more Brent, you can back on this the more you control your breathing, the more your vision is controlled, right? B? I mean, that's something that's, you know, I learned in that Connor Harris course is, you know, like you can manipulate your vision or your vision manipulates your breath. You know, if you're if you're stressing on your eyes, you're stressing your breaths. If you're controlling your breaths, you're relaxing your eyes. Mm-hmm. You know, um, do you talk a lot about breathing stuff with guys on on that, or do you just kind of let us do do that job? Yeah, I like you guys do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think. I mean, my main focus is just. I mean, we can tap on kind of that question that somebody had or whatever. My focus has always been the process and the routine of things. Yeah. Like finding what works for each hitter. Like not that one swing type mentality yeah that's what that was the question is um um, what are your thoughts on one swing approaches from coaches i hate it yeah go expand into that (laughs) Um, because it just doesn't work and like i understand the avenue that they're taking that you know there's different ways to get to certain positions and, and do certain things aka if if there was a one swing mentality. Everybody in the big leagues or in baseball would fucking do it. Yep. You know what I mean? I don't, I just, a lot of things work for different people. And, and that's the hard part about our job is you have to be able to see things and, and introduce things and take away things and understand that. Like you have to build a, a, a relationship with the guy because you're going to give them stuff that like does not feel good. Yep. That just doesn't work for them. But being able to have that common ground of, I, I don't like this, right? As a hitter, and not just sitting back and sit and just wearing it and just getting worse. Like I think that's what separates, you know, the clientele or, or the group of guys that we have in here is we're all on the same page. We're all trying to figure out how to get better and round out the routine or round out the process program, whatever you call it. Um, but I mean, especially with guys that are huge, like big like ass dudes compared to like an Andre. Yeah. <laughs> and like a judge or yeah, like yeah. They're, they're not going to hit the same way as a guy that's, you know, five eleven to six foot. And you see Andre and judges swings are yeah. Pretty, pretty similar. Yeah. Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. yep. Those guys can do different things than, than other guys can do. Like you can't you go and tell a, a dude that hits 300 every year, doesn't hit a lot of homers and steals a lot of bases to go try to hit the ball straight up in the air to hit it out of the ballpark. Granted, with analytics nowadays, they want guys to drive baseballs and stuff, but there's a there's a fine line between like who you are as a player and what got you to where you got to, you know, because you start making those crazy adjustments. I mean, you can touch on this. Like the minute a pitcher sees a guy like direction and, and shoulder plane and everything going up like straight to the sky or trying to lift the baseball, these guys that are throwing 95 plus are going to throw it at the top of the zone and you have absolutely no chance of hitting it. So I think it's just – it's just crazy to see some of the stuff that's thrown out there, which with the social media age, like you throw something out there like that, that's yeah. a little different. You're going to gain traction. Well, yeah, and it's going to bring business and I get all that, but yeah, but like you can look at it, dude, like, Oh, that's a, that's an X guy. All right. Mm-hmm. Or that's a Y guy. Yeah. You know, it's like these, this guy hits with, with, you know, with X, this guy hits with Y. You can tell by yeah. his swing mm-hmm. characteristics, swing the mechanics, yeah. even his approach sometimes. Right. Mm-hmm. And Andrew, how much easier is that? for you as a pitcher to get guys out. Yeah, way easier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like, 
it, it, that's that's where it even comes to like common sense. You can ask a, like a college baseball college pitcher, and you see a guy have certain like swing mechanics like through BP or whatever. Like you're taking notes there. Like and so is like every other like pitching coach on your team, right? Like so it's like you see guy yeah same thing like swings up has like that really like high launch angle esque swing. Like we're gonna bang heaters up in the zone all day long, and like and if he ends up catching up to him and he starts raking him, like okay, different game plan. But like it's kind of exactly what you said. Like you start like you can see those things, and like we're in a day and age where like there's scouting reports everywhere in high school now. You know what I mean? Like that wasn't really a thing. It's like we kind of have all this information now to like know what guys are doing on both sides of the sides of the field. So yeah, I mean you also get guys that say swing down the ball, but they're actually swinging either you know, a good flat path or swinging slightly up. Right. So it's like, it's like you said, all feels, Yeah. you know, and you got to play into that player's feel. Like, how do you, it's a good question. I just came to up with this one. How do you feel or how do you get players to talk about their feels to you? Like, how do you address that? Like, how do you go into that conversation? I always ask questions. Like I'm never, I'm not That's a big dumb, question about me. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm not, I'm never like a tell you what to, yeah. what to do type of guy. I'm more of like, when I see things like we're doing a certain type of drill or we're going through stuff, I ask questions instead of saying, Hey, that's it. Like, that's what you just did. Like I ask questions cause I want them to repeat it back to me because now they're training their brain. Okay. Like now I can make adjustments on my own. Like I understand what feels I have and stuff. Um, so I, I ask more questions and I see a lot of things. Like I'm not a very like every swing go and talk to the guy and say something i sit back and i i kind of just watch and just the way guys move and and the way certain things happen in the swing i can implement things that i know are going to amplify that feel and you can see if they're happy with the result right yeah yeah uh -huh. and it kind of just goes back to and and the other cool thing like i touched on before is all my guys have no problem stepping out of the box and coming over and talking about it. Yeah. You know, they don't just sit back and wait for you to say something. And I think that's kind of the, you have that first couple of weeks when you first start here and like you're scared to cause you're around a bunch of guys that have been here and then kind of you get to that. But I think that's, that's the biggest thing is communication when it comes to that. Stuff. 100%. Nobody knows yeah. the athlete's body better than mm -hmm. themselves. Yeah. Right. And you can see things, we can see things, Andrew, you can see things, but you know, without them communicating to us, we'll never know. They might be piping balls in the in the gap, and like, and they might just feel like absolute shit to us. Like, oh, that's pretty damn good. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. and it's just like that communication aspect of it, and just how they're moving, what their swing thought is, yeah. and, and then talking to the other guys in the cage. You know, yeah. in your group. You know, and that's for us. That's huge. That's our, that's our environment. Yeah. Is learning from the best players in the world. Yeah. You know, and that's yeah, because they. Cause like I can use the cues that I normally use like verbiage wise and stuff, but say, you know, one of my high school guys goes and asks the pro guy, Hey, what do you think about when, you know, you're, you're getting into your backside or your lower half? Like, you know, yours, you might say something, you know, verbiage wise different, but it clicks for like spear or somebody yeah. like, yeah. and then all of a sudden it, it's like, okay, I understand what JP was saying, but this kind of works for me a little bit better. So it's kind of attacking it at all avenues, you know, like that, creating an environment where guys are just as hungry as each other trying to get better and, and help each other. You know? So when you, when you do address mechanical things, like what are you, what's your approach on that? I know it differs with guys, right? But like how do you intervene? I guess, how do you like, Hey, okay. do I mean, 
I, I kind of just bluntly throw it out there like, hey, we got to change this. Yeah. Like, and I kind of offer, you just offer a, 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 a drill or swing adjustment. I think it depends on the player. Yeah. Like if it's a dude that has had a ton of success, like I'm going to throw it out there and just be like, hey, listen, this is what I see. Like, and we try to just get on the same page. Mm-hmm. Um, with more like the youth, like I don't say youth, but high school, I'm just going to flat out tell them, hey, you got to change this up. Like, that's it's just want. not going to, yeah, it's older. just not going to work as you get older. Right. And I think the biggest thing too is like some high school guys have a ton of success, you know, like yeah. doing shitty things in their swing. And the hardest part is, hey, like you have to make this adjustment to be successful if you get to go play in college or you get to go to pro ball and the next levels, you know. And then there's that time period of uh, you're going to feel like shit because it's a different move or it's a different thing that you're doing. Um, so that's the hardest part when it comes to all that stuff. But, um, yeah, I think it, it just depends on, you know, what level you're at and how I approach the throwing things out there type stuff. For sure. What's what's kind of your progression with guys? Do you, you know, they, obviously they warm up with us, they do all those things. But then, you know, when they first start, are you like going machine off the bat to see how they how – they, they rush or they do you know what they do under live game situation or are you just throw throwing flips right off the bat or what's your kind of your progression with guys or how you yeah. how's your assessment built how do you do that kind of stuff off of you know talking with us and yeah. seeing how they move but um so most guys so everybody comes in everybody's it's essentially the same thing you guys do everybody's routine process programs different mm-hmm. like they all have certain things that they know that work for them so some guys like to get warmed up on tee. Some guys like to do flips. I'm not a big tee guy unless you like are so lost that you need to get back to the basics. Um, but you walk in the cage, we, we do our routine. It's usually like four or five drills or whatnot. Um, or some guys just come in and they just want to hack and get loose. And then we kind of go into overhand, side flips, what have, what have you. Um, it all depends on, on the guy. Um, a lot of machine. We do a lot of machine. Why, why do you like the machine a lot? Because I know some some hitting coaches don't like the machine. I personally love the machine. Yeah, I know you do too. I mean, I love the machine because it's it's you're putting game yourself speed. in a game speed situation. Yeah. I mean, I I never understood why coaches don't like machine, and it doesn't really. I mean, you don't have the arm action and stuff. Like it doesn't really fuck you up. It just gives you the aspect of timing, right? And you can feel your moves and stuff. Um, I just think that's stupid if somebody thinks that it's, that it's gonna <laughs> It's you. out there, believe it or not. Yeah. Like, if you if you are that domed up on a machine, you got other things to worry about. Like, you know exactly where it's coming. Like, it's, it's really not that hard. Like, it's hard, but it's, it's a controlled environment. It's, yeah. You know what pitch is coming, right? And it's just, how do we work on moves and how do we get to the same spot every time? Um, so yeah, then that stuff's never made any sense to me. I kind of just sit back and laugh at that stuff. How do you, but, how do you manipulate your machine work? I know that's something we've worked on the last year or so, right? Mm-hmm. We're throwing, you know, guys elevated pitches, right? We were stacking yeah. plates up and, you know, talk about kind of how you manipulate the machines to get different, you know, views of the plate, different pitches. Yeah. yeah. Um, every day we change it up. So we might put a certain amount of plates on certain legs and stuff just to change slots. Um, get more depth on the breaking balls. Um, we do a lot of like offset machine too, just feeling different moves and stuff. Um, I think last off season, prime example is Andy Young. Um, we worked on, he had a real trouble hitting the high heater. 
and that was our main focus the whole offseason. And, and we stacked up the machine every once in a while, and we peppered the top of the zone, and we just worked on having tight turns and stuff. And, I mean, we, he went right in the season and started just mashing baseballs. Um, so just always changing up, you know, slots, arm angles, um, especially when you leave it kind of just normal on the ground. You don't get as much bite on the breaking balls and stuff, and we try to manipulate, like, sharp um, sliders, like, big depth breaking balls and stuff just to make it as game related as possible. Cause I mean, the more you can see it, the more comfortable you're going to be in a game. And I think a lot of my high school guys that went on to have huge years, their senior years who are all in college now can attest that they felt a lot more comfortable and, and uh, confident when it came to seeing kind of elite breaking balls and stuff in here it made it seem a lot easier during the game. Yeah. I mean, I mean, take like Cole Sheehan, for yeah. example, right? He was a lower-level JUCO guy. I guess. Maybe was he even a JUCO guy when he came to us? I don't think he no, was. Not. No, or, no, he was uncommitted. He's uncommitted. Yeah, and then he yeah. committed to Mesa. Yeah, then he I was, think yeah. right before the season. Yeah. And then he went off, yeah, and that was at Pepperdine, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a prime example of mm-hmm. a guy that was a good player mm-hmm. for a high schooler. Yeah, but now he's going to be a good player at the next level. Yeah, yeah. no doubt. Yeah, and he's got the work ethic. You yeah. know, like I think. People just, you know, see like what he did on the field, but people don't see what the kid did in here. Like he didn't miss a day. No. Like he was in here three, four hours a day and he worked his ass off. Um, so, I mean, he deserves everything that's coming his way and he bought in. Uh, that's the biggest thing. Yeah. What are, what are the biggest deficiencies you see as in, a, in a high school swing? Deficiencies? Yeah. Um, Like, what do you always see? Is this lack of strongness and lack of strength or stability? Yeah, just big ass moves. Backwards bat. Yeah, bat, bat goes yeah. backwards. <laughs> and what newspaper? And big, big moves that just make no sense. Yeah. Like, they just do it because they've seen it on TV or they just feel comfortable doing that. Um, but they don't have a purpose behind it. I think once they figure out that like the moves, you don't just do moves just to do it. Like a lot of guys do certain moves because it puts them in a position timing wise to be successful and repeat it and be, and be um, consistent with their moves. Um, So I think that's the biggest thing. And then just obviously holding, getting stronger, being able to hold positions, you know, so that way timing's not so much of an issue. I mean, timing's always an issue, but being able to get yourself back to, you know, the positions you need to be when you're going good. Cause some of the times like you're a hitter, like when you're riding out a hot streak, like you ain't thinking about how early you're getting up and shit. It's just, just happening. It's good. But then all of a sudden the wheels start to fall off. You have to be able to hold positions and get to those early positions that you were getting to before. Um, I would say that's probably the biggest thing. Yeah. Um, I think a lot, actually some guys coming in swinging completely straight down on the ball because their high school coach told them to hit it as hard as they could on the ground. Um, and I think that's a, that's a disconnect on what I do here. And some of the high schools around is they think I'm just straight all launch angle and stuff where I'm more of a line drive guy. Like I want guys it's to, the middle I of the want ball. guys to be direct. I want them to work downhill and I want them to hit the ball hard. But I mean, I don't, I'm not going to set these guys up to hit ground balls all the time when the next level wants guys to drive the ball in the gaps. Yeah. And, and I'm not saying hit the ball of, at 35 degrees and out of the ballpark, you know, like being able to kind of be smart about that a little bit more. 100%. You know? I'm, I mean, back in Colorado and 
I wasn't working with hitters, but talking with other like club coaches and stuff. Like, oh, well, he's 12 years old or 13 years old, or whatever. You know, like let's. Why would we tell him to swing up or get get drive the ball in the gaps? He he's not strong enough to get over mm-hmm. get over the fence yet, or get the ball in the gap. Like, well, he's gonna be yeah. right. So let's teach proper patterns now. Yeah. Right. Winning the game at 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 doesn't mean shit. Yeah. Right. Let's teach proper mecha- mechanics and proper swing pass now, so when they are stronger. They can have success yeah. versus now they come to you, somebody like you, revamp their whole fucking swing mm-hmm. because their club coach or their high school coach or whoever is telling them to have a downward swing pass. So because old Johnny at shortstop can't field the ball, yeah, it's like a win damn game. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it's pretty much all just for the success of the time period that they're with that coach. Exactly. You know, which is kind of fucked up, honestly. Like that's an ego thing on the coach's side. Yeah, I think, right. Like, I mean, I don't know. I. It, that stuff's always bothered me um, just because it's like that, that that's not going to set your kid up for success and for your program. You want guys to go to the next level, you know, because it looks good for you. Like, and I understand like certain situations in BP where they say, Hey, hit the ball on the ground the other way. Yeah. Like that's fine. Like that's a control stuff. Yeah, too. That's being yeah. a good hitter. Yeah. But it's not mechanically like you got to be able to know how to just let the ball travel and hit it the other way. Like, a line drive to right field is just as good as a ground ball through perfect the, through the first and the second. Perfect example. I mean, we're, now we're jumping to the big league level, but Machado last night, unfortunately, took my boy Kevin deep twice on changeups, <laughs> and they were bombs, like absolute bombs. But later in the in the uh, ninth inning, I don't know if you watched the game at all. Um, Rogers throwing, and you can see Machado's approach has completely changed. Right, the the uh, tying run was on second base. Rogers on first and second. He was trying to shoot the gap. To the right side, you saw that, mm-hmm. but then he ended up being a double play because Belt made a sweet play. But um, you can see his approach just completely change mm-hmm. and was the betterment a for the team at that level, mm-hmm. right? And just having bat awareness and field awareness and what's going on, yeah. you know. And you know, after hitting two pumps and then going trying to hit a backside ground ball, that's what a hitter needs to do, right? Yeah. Yep. And situation of the game dictates your approach. Hundred percent. Right. I mean. Obviously, Machado is one of the best in the big leagues right now, and he understands that's what makes him a good hitter is he's able to pull back and, and not try to be the guy and put him, his team in a position to, you know, have a chance to win the baseball game instead of, oh, I hit two tanks, I'm going to try to do it again, and then all of a sudden, you know, the runners aren't in scoring position, they're not in a position to win. I mean, all that is a mental thing that, you know, guys need to lock into. I, I thought it was cool to see a guy like Machado, mm-hmm. right, who's – Proven to be a good good team leader after last week. I don't know if you saw that that altercation. Oh, yeah, yeah. But that was that, that was that was awesome by Machado to get you know for, to tease their boys right. Yeah. They're you know they need to get on each other once in a while right. And to do that for the team, granted the the process was there, the outcome wasn't there. Yeah. Um, but it was just cool to see that adjustment and that mm-hmm. the capability to hit a freaking hard ass ball to the right side that yeah. turned into double play. But you know he did his job. Yeah. You know. Um, yeah, what's, uh, how much stuff are you doing now going off that now from, you know, adjustments mechanically to the, to live, to live fields? Wait, what do you mean? Like Like, mechanical adjustments of guys to live fields, like live. All right. Would you rather have a guy do mechanical stuff with you or just go do our live at bats, I guess. No, I mean, I'd like them to do both. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of what we do in the cage prepares you more to think less when it comes to live stuff, you know, um, 
we gear programming and, and routines and stuff around the confidence of what you do in the cage is going to make you more comfortable, you know, during a live setting and in and, and games. And I think that's one of the biggest things from a mental standpoint I talk to guys about is what we do in the cage from a mental standpoint, drills, feels, you know, feeling things out. That's all for cage. But when you get to live at bats and stuff, it's just about competing, right? Getting there early, trusting that your work that you do in the cage is going to transition over to the game. Um, and honestly, I, I saw a lot, a lot of guys that, you know, were in and out of here last offseason, you know, had pretty good years. I mean, we were just talking about Yerzy. Um, he came in after having a couple bad years and, and, and COVID hit and knowing that he needed to go out and do some stuff. And he, I mean, he, he hit for a year and a half straight and he went out and, you know, hit 21 pumps and put himself in a position, you know, to be thought of and, and be ready to go for Matt a starting Frazier, spot next too. year. Yeah, Fraze. Yeah, Fraze went out and he he killed it. I mean, he let everybody know he was ready to go. <laughs> yeah, um, and and there's a lot of guys. Um, I can't think off the top of my head. Um, a lot of guys up and down in the big leagues. Like Ay went in, you know, to the show right away. Had I think it was like seven at bats. He had five homers or something like that. Yeah. First seven at bats of the year. Um, but yeah, biggest thing is being able to separate. You know what you do in your work. And you know the controlled environment to the to the game and live atmosphere. So what's your what's your off season progression like with guys showing up? Let's say next month, right? Yeah. It's now end of September. Guys are probably going to be. I'm guessing what are going to be mid October. We'll probably start yeah. seeing a lot more hitters in here. For sure. Um, are we just kind of going listening to them what they need, working mechanical stuff off the bat, and then progressing yeah. towards live at bats toward and then end of December? Is that kind of our goal? Yeah, I would say. October to mid-December, it's about just really hitting weights. Like, it's really important to kind of take a back burner when it comes to hitting and, and, and be the detail of, like, getting in the cage. Because, honestly, you don't really need that long to get locked back in when it comes to, like, you know, big league and pro guys. Um, but some guys are different. I mean, some guys like to hit all the time. So it's just what they prefer to do. Um, but really honing in on, on the body and getting yourself ready to um, – get ready for a season for sure. Um, but probably November, late August, just like light flips routine work, getting feels back. Um, and then as we progress over a couple weeks, we'll start to get into arm, seeing a little bit of the low. And then depending on the guy, whether we do, whether he's a machine guy or he's not a machine guy, um, getting into all that and then just rounding out kind of just, now hammering that routine and, and getting in, get the work in. And then I would say probably what January, mid January last year, we started doing live yeah. at bats. Yeah. It might be a little sooner now that we have the cage yeah. in here. We don't yeah. go to a high school 40 minutes away, but yeah, but pitchers don't really start ramping up to what probably like late December. we have guys yeah. that need jobs though. Yeah. yeah. You know, like we had 16 free agents last year and all 16 signed because of our live at bats. Yeah. You know, and guys were shoving and throwing yeah. shed and, all that, but you know, any any guy I know, any of your hitters or any of our guys that are hitters, yeah. If they, if a guy's throwing a pen, they'll stand in no matter oh, what, absolutely, no matter time of year. Yeah, there is no shortage of that. I mean, me personally, I'm advocating to get in and see as many pitches as you can. It doesn't matter if it's August or if it's October first or February first, right before camp. The more pitches you see, the better you're going to get. Um, 
and that doesn't mean you have to swing. You sit in there and you, you work on timing and getting up and seeing different things in the pitcher's movements and stuff um, is definitely a big thing. And I think that's going to be great this offseason to be able to kind of have that available for our guys. Yeah, they're going to be able to see the track man reports right off the bat of what pitch characteristics they're looking at. And yeah. so the fastball's popping, like, oh, he's a high vertical break guy. This is what a guy with high BB looks like at 95 miles an hour. You know, and they'll have the instant feedback right there. Yeah. And then when the hitters get to the point where they're confident in their timing, then the shit talking starts and the competitiveness that's the gets best. there. That's the best. Part. That's the best part for sure. Yeah. Um, if you question, if you were a high school coach, how would you run practice with on the offensive side? That's, that's a good a, question. That's a tough question. That is a good question. Because um, we talk. I mean, to be honest, we don't talk shit on high school coaches. Yeah. But their hands are tight, right? Yeah. They're mm-hmm. they're in a tough situation, man. Like they have limited time. Yeah. They still got to get defenses and they still got to do all that shit. But yeah, I, I see it personally. I see a lot of guys that are a lot of coaches that have a lot of wasted time, whether it be running poles, long distance running, just to yeah. fill gaps or, yeah. you know, continuous, the same defensive drills or whatever. Like how do you, how would you structure it offensively and, and all that? I think more meetings, like, yeah. you know, talking about, you know, key things, whether it's being repetitive when it comes to talking about certain things, um, approach how to control that bat you know um being able to look for certain pitches and certain counts and stuff like i think there's a lot of high school kids that just don't hear much about the approach side or the mental side um i probably wouldn't change anything up like obviously going in getting cage work in routine work in bp you know getting the good you know hit the ball the other way like rounds you know let it eat a little bit um nothing from like a practice standpoint um, but yeah, I mean, filling those gaps with sitting down with players, maybe one-on-one little groups, right? Like changing up the, the, whatever you're, it is they're talking about that day and, um, just f- keep feeding guys information, you know? And, and I mean, at some point spoon feed, like 100% the basic stuff over and over again. It's just that level, right? Yeah. I mean, something that I heard, like, I think it was. Ryan Burr told me, he goes, he like, every time I throw a baseball, that's my job, right? So I need to have max intent, not max intent velocity-wise, just max intent mental capacity-wise that I'm what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. It's not just flipping the ball, right? Yeah. It's not just swinging the bat. It's not hitting the ball on flips or, you know, off the machine. Like, you need to have intent, right? Yeah. For me, that's something I needed a little bit better of instead of just taking a 1,000 swings a day with no purpose behind them, yeah. right? And I think that's what something we could do better yeah. with guys, yeah, not us personally, but as a, as a whole, yeah. right? And the industry is having more intent behind each swing, each throw, yeah. whatever they're doing. Yeah, 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 for sure. Sweet. Anything else, guys? No? JP, got anything else for us? Okay. Those are all the questions I had. Yeah, I'm good. Eric, you want to say anything today? Uh, I'm actually one thing, like throughout the season, like when you have guys going up and down from a mental aspect, how does that affect them? And like, what if they, is it like, common theme with guys like when they go down like demoted or when they're promoted like just to change the scenery and like the change of like competitiveness are you talking more of like up and down from the show or just i mean at all i mean you could be double a to triple uh, yeah. a or um, a to triple a or whatever i think it varies the difference between like it level wise it, it changes um i think if you if you get demoted your mentality can't change. Um, I think 
sometimes you see it as like a negative thing. Like there could be a situation where I had a guy who was, you know, put in double A in his first full season. And I've, I've been an advocate and, and have talked about this nonstop that that's the biggest jump in baseball is going from the low levels to double A is like when you really start to see the difference in like, okay, like I'm not seeing some guy that has like mediocre shit. Everybody's, everybody's a dude. And, um, you know, guys being able to kind of read between the lines, like, okay, I need to go back down and, and get myself back to where I was when I was successful that you can't let it kind of wear on you mentally, which is tough. Like that's the hardest part about being, you know, in pro ball and stuff because the timeline and your age is the biggest thing when it comes to baseball and being in pro ball. Um, but being able to kind of pull back and, and, and see and read between the lines of what, I need to do to get myself back to that situation. And then like when you're getting called up and down from the big leagues, like that's all just business shit. Yeah. Um, you might have options. It's not, yeah. it's not, it's not performance related. Yeah. Which is horse shit, but I mean, it is what it is. I mean, the amount of times I've dealt with guys that are going up and down who are just like, I mean, the team is just horse shit and they're never going to win. And the front office is just trying to hang on by a thread. It's just, I mean, being able to kind of just channel the energy and, and and go down and do exactly what you need to do in AAA to get yourself back to, you know, the big leagues because majority of the time it's just the buy time or guys coming off the DL or, or anything, whatever it is. Um, but not letting the, the mentality of I should be up to affect what you're doing at the level that you're at. Um, like if you're, if you're, in double a and you're hitting like 330 not falling into the trap of thinking oh why am i not getting called up and then all of a sudden in two weeks you're hitting 280 because you're dwelling on stuff that you can't control i think the biggest thing is controlling the controllables everything that you have the reins on and and can control you have to you have to keep that in mind 100 percent great question eric i'm proud of you for talking man <laughs> all right man appreciate you coming back on we'll do it again Mid-off-season. 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 Mid-